This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Ah, state rivalries. One of my favorite things about traveling around this fair nation of ours is that regardless of what state you find yourself in, you can find another state that most of the people in that state hate. So if you go to Alabama, you'll find a lot of people who hate Georgia. If you go to Georgia, you'll find a lot of people who hate Alabama. Hi, my name's Ben. Hi, my name's Nolan. I was just recently in Oregon driving around in a rental car with California plates, Ooh. and I was uh, I was counseled that I better tread lightly um, because that's not a good look, and people from Oregon do not cotton to those city slickers from California crossing over into their fair state. And here's the problem. The car I was in was a big, giant SUV, so a real hog of the road, uh-huh. and it had a hair-trigger horn. So I was constantly accidentally honking at people in uh-huh. traffic and getting some pretty nasty looks. Well, listeners, super producer Casey Pegram and I can assure you that that Noel is a responsible driver and you don't just lay on your horn. No, you know what I mean? No. It's tough when you're driving a rental car, and you're right— you're right about California. A lot of people have been moving to Oregon, especially the western part of the state by the mm-hmm, coast. Mm-hmm. And when I had spent time in Portland, uh, that's one thing everybody got behind. They were like, oh, these Californians. Coming Californians. In here. Coming in here, taking over our state. 
stay on the 405. Uh, so, so today's story is a story about state rivalry, but it's not about that kind of, you know, funny, let's tell a one-liner joke sort of rivalry. Um, what do we mean by one-liner joke? I'll tell an example that makes fun of Georgia, since this is our state. Of course. We don't want to offend anybody. So, so let's say you're in Alabama or you're in Florida, and someone says, hey, did you hear about that hurricane that hit Savannah? And they say, no, what happened? They say, well, it did like millions of dollars worth of improvements. Mm. That's a that's a joke that you hear thrown around a lot. Savannah's a beautiful uh, city, though, Ben. Who would say that about Savannah? Who would say that? I don't know. Jerks. Who are these monsters? Well, they're, they're yeah. jokes. Savannah is a town with a lot of history. It's got a weird vibe, and there's a like a nuclear weapon lost off the coast there. Did you know that? I didn't, but I know there's a lot of ghosts there. Yes, yeah. It was one of those ghosty port towns like uh, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And it's, oh, man, yeah. We should we should go down there. We should go down there on a ridiculous history field trip. We could do a ghost tour. We could do a ghost tour. I think with, I think it's in the budget. What do you say? Let's do it. Casey, are you down for a ghost tour? I'd love to do that. Yeah. Savers going to Hawaii. They can at least send us to Savannah for a ghost tour. <laughs> really. Uh, Savers are a food, lifestyle, and travel show. It also involves food science. Do check it out if With you get a chance. Dear friends, Lauren Vogelbaum and Annie Reese. Mm -hmm. uh, who are going to Hawaii. That is true. I asked them to bring back some spam for me. We'll see. You know, they sell spam here in the States. Yeah, but it's different. There are more flavors in Hawaii. Okay, did you specifically ask for a flavor or just say, give me, get weird with it? Say, give me one that I can't get in the States. Cool. It's sort of like all those different flavors of Kit Kats that you can only get in Japan. Yeah, I have a bag of those at my desk now. <laughs> so, I really like the green tea ones. Green tea is good. Uh, I got hip to banana. Um, also, uh, Hawaii is, I think, per capita the world's largest consumer of spam. Remember when we did an episode on spam with yes. Annie from Saver and we yeah, talked yeah. about how they have to keep it under lock and key because mm -hmm. it's such a non-perishable item that they can just flip it out of their trunks once they, you know, do a big spam heist? Yeah, so. I used to have spam in my uh, go bag, but the weight ratio is... Anyway, 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 state rivalries, right? <laughs> That's, um, state rivalries. Today's episode is about a state rivalry. It is about the fair states of Ohio and Michigan, who nowadays, Noel, neither of us are, are big uh, football fanatics. Football? Football, yes. Uh, American football fanatics. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, neither of us are, are huge American football fanatics. Nowhere near as insane and rabid about it as Casey Pegram is. Uh, but even we know that Michigan and Ohio are famous for how much their college football teams hate each other. I only knew it because it says it right here. On this outline. Yeah, that's how you and I know that. That's right. But it's true. <laughs> and who knows? I mean, perhaps uh, the, the rivalry in, in, in question today has had uh, a historical hold on the relationship between these two states and has, uh, you know, I would say a football rivalry, a little healthy joshing around between, you know, rough and tumble <laughs> footballers <laughs> is a lot healthier and safer than uh, what uh, has been described as the uh, the Toledo War, a clash between Ohioans and uh, I'm going to go with my favorite, Michiganders, because in our research material, sometimes it says Michiganians, and, and sometimes I Michiganders. see Michiganders. Michiganers, Michiganders, yeah. yeah. Right, right in, any Michigan folk. Uh, let us know which ones you prefer. Um, but this uh, conflict took place in 1835, and it had to do with the fact that both Ohio— 
which was a state at the time, mm-hmm. and Michigan, which was not yet a state at the time, both thought they owned this uh, little strip of land. It's almost like a Gaza Strip kind of situation between two uh, warring nations. Uh, only in this case, it's, you know, there's, there's states and a state and a not quite yet state. Yeah. Um, and there's this little strip of land between them that each of them feel like they have a claim to. Right, right. This was a long time in coming and it's a, uh, it's based on a series of misunderstandings. First off, I love the name Toledo War. It sounds like it's the name of an album. In 1787, the U.S. Congress drafted what they called the Northwest Ordinance. And the Northwest Ordinance said that 260,000 square miles of territory around the Great Lakes would be carved into a handful of states. The law also said that the border between Ohio and Michigan was to run on a, quote, east and west line drawn through the southerly bend or extreme of Lake Michigan until it intersected with Lake Erie. However, they did a bad job. They did a piss poor job because the problem is that the maps they had were wrong. Uh, Lake Michigan's southern tip on the map, one of the best maps at the time that they used, which was called the Mitchell map. You can look it up today. The Lake Michigan that was on the map was actually several miles north of where it, where it is in the world or on the planet. And so Congress got it wrong. And they didn't know. Wait a minute. Congress did what? Yeah, I know. I know. I thought they were infallible. It was the one time. Uh, Congress got it wrong, and they didn't know that they got it wrong until 1802, years and years later. And it was because of a fur trapper who said, hey, guys, actually got the line wrong. This is going to come back to bite you in the future. Listen to me. I'm I'm a trapper professionally. I'm telling you, you guys are trapping yourselves. Uh, And... How did they react? Well, we know it wasn't resolved. Well, first of all, I got I got to backtrack slightly. Let me ask you this: Did yeah. this fur trapper, with you know, just just waltz into Congress and announce these findings? Say, hey, hey, you guys, it's me, Raul, the fur trapper. I got something to tell you. Or was he employed by them? Was he sent to what's the word? Survey. The land? Because the surveyors come in a little later. Sorry if I'm getting caught up in semantics here. I just can't picture Raul the fur trapper just waltzing into Congress and saying, listen here, this is going to be a real problem. He did. Uh, I like the name Raul, and we, we don't have the exact name for this guy. Uh, apparently, delegates from the Ohio Constitutional Convention received reports from him. So he did not stroll into the halls of federal Congress. I see. He had a correspondence going on with him. He was some in some form their representative. And he had a lot he had a lot of stuff going on already. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he can't watch every falling sparrow or border dispute. But uh you, you said you said there were there was another important thing happening here, which is that these territories, these areas around the lakes were not states. Uh, Ohio finally became a state in what, 1803? That's right. And so Ohio said when it became a state, it, it specified something about this border in its constitution. So the fur trapper says the line actually falls south of the Maumee River and Ohio says we own the land around this no matter what future surveys show and then the Michigan Territory is formed, and the government of the Michigan Territory says, hey, 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 Ohio, watch yourself. 
because that Mitchell map is wrong. We have newer, better maps, and they show that this region is ours. This is Michigan territory. So step off. Seriously. So things only got worse um, because in the 1810s, they sent a pair of land surveyors. Uh, who, uh, well, actually, I, I guess one from each side. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Um, one from each side. And, of course, they came to, to different conclusions. No Just, way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about the location of where this border would be. And that's when this strip became uh, a thing, this, uh, this Gaza Strip-esque um, area of land. A 468-square-mile slice known as the Toledo Strip, um, that was officially being claimed uh, very aggressively, actually, as it would turn out, by both Ohio and what was then called the Michigan Territory. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off that's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. 
So, okay, sure, maps get things wrong. People are fallible. Can't they just sit down together and work it out? Well, they could if it were an arbitrary mistake. The problem is they both have skin in the game. They both have a horse in the race. They both want a badger in the bag here because they wanted to control this area that would later become Toledo and the river. You see, by 1825, the completion of the Erie Canal linked the Great Lakes to the East Coast. 18 miles on the Erie Canal. That one? Yeah, it's, a song. So. it's an old song, kind of like in the company store. In the last oh, episode. right, right, right. Just, yeah, just, yeah. You know, we're trying to ground it in, like, you know, lore. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and folk, folk songs. Folk songs, exactly. Uh, no, and this is a very, very, very valuable uh, position to hold in terms of uh, trade, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So Toledo at this point is a growing village. It's the largest port on Lake Erie's western side, and that means it could be a financial windfall. So, of course, both Michigan and Ohio want to tighten their grip on it. And just like uh, just like uh, the border disputes we see in more recent years, they try a number of things, right, to legitimize their claim both in the eyes of the people living there and in terms of just pure infrastructure. So the Michigan territory, because still not a state yet, is constructing roads. It's sending people on purpose to live there, to sort of take over the land. It's holding election. It's collecting taxes. Really uh, putting the cart before the old horse there, isn't it? Yeah, like a boots flexing, on the ground. Flexing that claim. Right. It is not an ethical way to gain territory. It is an unfortunately common way that human beings have done this in the past in the modern day. Just say, like, let's if we send enough of quote unquote our people right. to a place that we don't own and have but, them live there, but, eventually it's ours. But this isn't the moon, you know? This isn't like a far removed location. <laughs> right. This isn't a colony that is completely disconnected from day to day life. This is a very small strip of land right between these two places where presumably human beings live. Mm -hmm. um, and it became uh, very evident that. Both sides wanted to protect their claim uh, physically if necessary. Right, right. And Ohio, Ohio tries a different strategy. They're doing some of the same things the Michigan Territory is, but Ohio is already a state, so they have a pretty – pretty significant advantage, they go to Washington like that fur trapper who never made it. Raul. <laughs> yeah, Raul. Uh, so they go to the halls of federal power and they say, look, a deal is a deal is a deal. When we became a state, we put this in our instruction manual or their constitution, rather. You guys screwed up. You guys screwed up. That's not on us. Toledo is and will always be a part of Ohio as God intended it. In fact, in the early 1830s, uh, members of Congress from Ohio blocked a Michigan petition for statehood and tried to tried to hold the uh, Toledo Strip, which they, they called it, a uh, hostage. And they said, look, you can't be a state. They didn't say give up Toledo. They said unless you admit that Toledo is ours. I mean, if we're being honest here— Pretty scrappy of non-state Michigan here, the way they're flexing on this claim, knowing that they themselves don't even have statehood, statehood yet, <laughs> and that they're poking the bear uh, yeah. in more ways than one, right? Yeah, exactly. In 1833, the U.S. becomes divided on the issue. 
the entirety of Congress. So the Senate says, okay, we're Team Ohio. We side with Ohio. But the House of Representatives says, well, well, we're not just going to go along with you guys. And then people say, uh, Stevens Mason, that's his name, Stevens, not Steven. We're going to get into some other really amazing names (laughs) in this story later. But yeah, Stevens Mason. Mason. Yeah, he's the governor of the Michigan Territory. Again, still not a state. And he says, hey, look, let's get a commission together to try to work this out. I think it's so funny. Stevens Mason, it should be flipped. It should be Mason Stevens. Yeah. It's the last name, first name, first name, last name vibe. I like that he's more than one Stevens. I have a a good friend whose name is Jame. He's just like one James. Well, that was the name of Buffalo Bill in uh, the uh, Silence of the Lambs movie. His name was Jame Gum. Isn't that right, Casey? Goodbye horses. That's right. Oh, I thought it was James. No, it was Jame. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. I just rewatched the chase scene from that. I just rewatched the <laughs> the mirror scene. The mirror scene. <laughs> Casey uh, on the case. Not the mirror scene. Of course, the mirror scene. That's the most iconic moment from that movie. That's the one part everyone remembers. Goodbye horses and the mirror scene. I re- no, I remember the lotion on the skin part. That's also a good Did one. Did you know uh, Anthony Hopkins is only in that movie like fourteen or fifteen minutes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's, well. a, he's a he's a he's a. I mean, but it's it's a very powerful. 14 or 15 minutes. It's true. Uh, speaking of powerful, uh, powerful 14 or 15 minutes, we have to wonder how long Governor Robert Lucas of Ohio took to evaluate Mason's appeal. Not that long. He pretty much instantly refused it. He said, we do not negotiate. And then he said, furthermore, in 1835, this is when everything started to go really off the rails. He said, we're going to form our own county on the Toledo Strip. So now, don't call it the Toledo Strip. Now, it's Lucas County, Ohio. Yeah, and then um, Michigan flexes back against uh, against Ohio, um, against Lucas, um, and, and, and enacts this series of laws called the Pains and Penalties Act. And that's in February of 1835, a law that said anyone found hanging out in said strip uh, that supported Ohio could be sent to jail for up to five years and fined a grand, which at the time would have been equivalent to about $25,000. Uh, so Mason gets a 1,000 men, a militia, um, and stations them right inside of this area. And then Lucas... Uh, you know, maybe having access to fewer men or thinking that it wasn't that big a deal because mm-hmm. they, you know, were big old state boys, um, sent 600 men just to make sure that there wasn't some sort of like out and out bloodbath. This is looking bad. It really is. Oh, also we should mention uh, the governor of the not quite a state Michigan territory, Stevens Mason, he is 23 years old. Don't they call him the boy king or something like that? Yeah, the golden, uh, the golden, boy governor. The, the boy governor, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so now we have military forces moving in and this weird uh, hearts and minds law supporting the state of Ohio. What does that mean? That can mean anything from uh, being an official of the county they propose, Lucas County, to – saying, hey, I live in Toledo, and I'm an Ohioan. And also, it's got that very kind of like Gestapo-y kind of idea of like, what if you're just caught palling around with somebody from the other side? You know, what if someone names names, and you're one of the names what gets named? Next thing you know, you're sitting in the clink for five years. And you're, you know, $1,000 in debt, which will be incredibly difficult to pay off. So the federal government tries— to get these people to get along. 
despite the fact there are already active militias in the area. So on April 9th, 1835, a posse led by a sheriff from Michigan rode into Toledo, and they did just what they were talking about. They arrested several state officials from Ohio, and then newspapers who you, you imagine have to have loved the headline potential here. Uh, newspapers said that an Ohio flag was torn down, dragged through the streets, and burned. People mm. are PO'd. Mm-mm. Really a lawless zone here, you know, because no one knows who's in charge. So everyone's kind of in charge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or sure. it's kind of, I mean, it really is like a Wild West kind of situation, but just in this little strip. Um, so it escalates, my friend, and involves another sheriff uh, from Michigan, this time a man named Joseph Wood, who attempts to enforce this pain and uh, penalties act by arresting Major Benjamin Stickney, loving that name, uh, because he voted in an Ohio election. Um, and this is fantastic. Here this are the they names. Yeah. This is the names. Oh, boy. Th- this, these are names. Stickney's sons who are named one Stickney and two Stickney. Like the numbers O-N-E-T-W-O. Yeah. They join in with their pops, uh, Stickney Sr., um, and they resist being arrested. And they uh, they stab uh, Sheriff Wood with a pocket knife. But not fatally. No. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, but a flesh wound, really. Right. Tis only a scratch. Tis mm-hmm. but a scratch. Uh, funny story. I've got a, uh, a, I had a great aunt whose name was nine. Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Really I, like, I like the idea of numbers for names. Me too. I met, I met a dude named seven and he was so cool. He was not related to me. I only have one number name in my family. I like the name four. You like the name four? Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, what about six? Wasn't six, six okay. a character on Blossom? Uh, there's six Smith in, uh, Cloud Atlas. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm partial. For some reason, I'm partial to odd numbers for names. This has nothing to do with Michigan and Ohio's Toledo War. Uh, what do you think is a, a great number for a name? There was a character named Six on Blossom. Her name was Six Lemure, played by Gen- Whoa, Jenna Von Oy. Another great name. <laughs> These are great names. Um, yeah, I would go with a. I would go with a nine or maybe a three. Yeah, I would go with a name three. Casey, do you have a number that you you think would make a good name? 27. I knew you were going to. Okay, Casey on the case. He's thought about it, folks. He's thought about this a lot. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today you can get 40% off 
That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So this is the first violent physical altercation when the Michigan Sheriff Joseph Wood and Benjamin Stickney and Co. uh, get beefed up. And now Sheriff Wood is remembered as the one injury casualty in the Toledo War. So the Ohio governor, Lucas, announced his intentions to hold a court session in Toledo. So they were going to hold a session in a court of law. Like I said, like a hearing kind of, right? Yeah, kind of like a kangaroo court. Mm. It's not like he's going to have a stunning plot twist. Kangaroo courts just seem so cute and fun to me. I know. The idea, but they're not at all. No, they're they're very uh, uh, railroady and sort of a, a mockery of justice, right? Right. Uh, do you know where that comes from? A lot of people think it comes from Australia, predictably. Only because the only, I mean, not, not just to, to stereotype because of kangaroos, I would have thought it maybe came from the fact that it was a penal colony. Right. And maybe, you know, it was the idea of giving someone not a fair trial and, and throwing them onto a penal colony. Is that not true? It's it's not true, which is weird because it's, it's something I believe for years too. The first published instance of the term kangaroo court comes from ni- or 1853, rather, and it may have been popularized during the California gold rush because a lot of Australians went to the California gold rush. And then they would have, you know, accusations of claim jumping. So claim jumping and hastily proceeding through the legal system, perhaps by leaps and bounds, oh, like a kangaroo. That's right. I'm like, yeah. They, they both could, leap and bound. Right. So uh, they would jump over or ignore evidence that would be in favor of the defendant. But people don't really know. That's just another theory. Uh, I think, the most widely believed one is the penal colony, but apparently that's the timing doesn't work out. 
Ben, I just went down a bit of a mini internet rabbit hole when I was oh. looking into the origins of kangaroo courts. Uh-huh. And I discovered that in Germany, the Third Reich would hold their versions of kangaroo courts. And you know what they were called, Ben? What were they called, Noel? They were called the People's Court. <laughs> but not with Judge Wapner. I think I've seen that show. Yeah. You know what show I miss as well? I, I watched, I listened to the, um, I listened to the intro theme song for it all the time, Night Court. I'll probably never actually watch Night Court. It probably hasn't aged well since Dan Fielding is pretty much a sexual predator. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but but that intro music is so great. I wish we could play it. Anyhow, so he has this kind of fake court setup to supposedly legitimize Ohio's claim. This is the governor. This is the governor Lucas of Ohio. And the boy governor, Stevens Masons, hears about this, and he marches 1,200 militiamen called Wolverines onto the Toledo Strip. And they are prepared, the Michiganders, to use violent force to stop this court session from taking place. They get there on September 7th of 1835, and then they find out they have been outsmarted. Mm. It's true, because the Ohioans had already uh, done these court proceedings in secret at the witching hour. It was a midnight court session. Um, And then just booked it out of there because they didn't want to get slaughtered. Right, right. So according to History.com, the court incident marked the last gasp of armed hostilities in the Toledo War. Uncle Sam's representatives say, hey, Ohio, Michigan, why don't you guys jointly govern the territory until Congress can make a permanent decision on the issue? Ohio says, all right, cool, dope, let's do that. But at the same time, while they said that was okay, they authorized $300,000 to the Ohio militia to seize the territory if Michigan said no. And Michigan said No. So the Ohio militia moved to the south bank of the river and faced off with Michigan's military on the north side. And then the president had enough. Andrew Jackson, president at the time, said, this is bonkers. This is bananas. This is malarkey. I am removing slash firing the boy governor. Ooh, how do you do that? That, That's a bit of of a legal reach, isn't it? Just to say I unequivocally as the president remove you from your duly elected office. Didn't seem like that would go over very well. And then install, I'm going to install my guy, right? That's right. It does seem like an overreach of power, you know. But that's what happened. And Mason was replaced by a fellow named John Horner. John Horner, I don't know if we would say completely mended the fences, but he worked with the Ohio governor to reach a okay conclusion to the dispute. And... Ohio was happy. The people of Michigan were not. They hated this guy. They despised him. They would see him in the street and verbally abuse him. They hanged effigies of him on multiple occasions. And they immediately voted Stevens Mason, the boy governor, back into office. So this debate raged on, and a lot of it focused on Michigan's you know, ongoing plea to be made a state. And that that was really the deciding factor here because on December 14th, 1836, Michigan did eventually accept a congressional compromise. 
And they said, okay, we will give up the Toledo Strip if we are admitted to the Union as the 26th state. And with that, Toledo became part of the state of Ohio. Uh, Michigan didn't just give that up for statehood. They also got some land, right, in the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, uh, it's between Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. Um, The thing is, though, uh, the Michiganders weren't super thrilled about this. They thought it was kind of a raw deal um, because the Detroit Free Press at the time had categorized this Upper Peninsula area as a barren wasteland of perpetual snows. But, you know, as history has a tendency to do, kind of soften things a little bit when they discovered some precious mineable materials in the form of Uh. copper and iron ore. So it turned out to be not not a bad not a bad trade. Not a complete wash. And there we have it, folks. The Toledo War nowadays is remembered as the most ferocious conflict in Ohio Michigan history, even worse than the uh, college football rivalries. But this was not the last time the states clash over their borders. These folks have legitimate boundary issues. The precise location of their land boundary was still a constant subject of contention and argument until 1915. They had to have a new government survey, and the governors celebrated the resolution by shaking hands across the border. See, and Mm -hmm. in 1965, the lieutenant governors repeated the ceremony. That's nice. Sort of like a mini hands across America thing. Hey, and here we'll come full circle. Uh, You know, there were occasional legal battles between the states uh, up until 1973 when a Supreme Court ruling resolved any claims to the waters of Lake Erie. Now, um, those tensions, those historical tensions, are pretty much uh, dealt with in, in those college football rivalries we talked about at the top of the show. The Toledo War. There you have it. So this ends today's episode, but not our show. We would love to hear some of your favorite stories of state rivalries in the U.S. or uh You know, country rivalries, county, province rivalries, anywhere uh, throughout the world. Because as we know, at least here in the States, it's a huge ongoing issue. And every state has at least one other state that they despise for one reason or another. Uh, You can let us know on our email. We are ridiculous at iheartradio.com. You can find us on Instagram, and you can find us, and most importantly, your fellow listeners on our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. Yeah, and you can check us out individually on Instagram if you like. Um, Follow our various exploits. I am at Embryonic Insider. I am at Ben Bolin with a lot of stuff on there that's probably going to ruin my political ambitions later in life. Oh, surely not, Ben. Surely not. You're just a full human person with very rich life experiences. That's that's very kind. Uh, I, like many people, do try to emulate Casey Pegram. Oh, speaking of that guy, hey, Casey, thanks so much for, as always, saving the show. We'd also like to thank Gabe, our research associate. I would like to thank Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Christopher Hasiotis, who is here in spirit, and Jonathan Strickland, the quister. And as usual, Ben Bolin, thanks to you for being a friend and all the other lyrics to the Golden Girl theme that I will never, never 
remember. Why don't you ever remember? It's a great song. You said it wasn't that great a song in its no, full form. No, the full song is not great, but the TV version just for the intro yeah. is spot on. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty heartwarming, especially when paired with the you know clips of these women and their antics. It really does warm the cockles. And I'm going to say this, even though it's late, we probably should have said it earlier. Uh, you know, it's here in the U.S. Uh, Mother's Day happened this weekend, and I just want to say uh, thanks to all the moms listening. Yes, thanks to everyone with a mom. <laughs> uh, and and you know, if you didn't get a chance, you didn't get a chance to call her. This is maybe a week a week late now that you're hearing this, but if you didn't get a chance to say hello, just just give her a ring, drop by and see her. Um, we both hung out. Well, all three of us hung out with our moms recently and had a heck of a time. Uh, Noel, my mom, even almost came to my improv show, <laughs> which was, was a weird flex. Ben, I would have come to your improv show as well if I wasn't already entertaining my mom and daughter. Uh, you know, and my daughter's 10. I don't think um, the improv stuff you guys would have done would have been quite age-appropriate. But very soon, when she's, I'm going to say 13, when she can go to her first improv show. Uh, okay, all of us listening now who have ever done improv know that it can be... It can be tiresome to continually invite your friends to improv. So never feel, you know, we improvise enough together on the show, Noel. Never feel obligated or anything other than invited to that kind of that kind of outside of work shtick. You know what I mean? I do indeed. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.